All right, people, welcome back. Uh, first topic for the day, uh, the RBA had their official cash rate meeting to decide whether they were going to move the OCR, you know, upwards or downwards. It was sitting at 4.10%, and they've they've decided to leave the cash rate on, on hold, uh, which I believe is for the fourth month in a row at this point. So for some context, yeah. our latest inflation figure was 5.2% in August for monthly inflation compared to August of 20, uh, 2022. Uh, this is up from July's inflationary monthly figure. So it was actually the first time inflation by the month had increased since April. So obviously some signs that inflation hasn't gone away completely yet because we're still seeing some jumps in it, Dave. But Michelle Bullock, yep. who's the new, the, not the president, she's the new governor of the RBA, uh, had her first meeting as the, the head governor yesterday and uh, in in pretty typical fashion of people at the RBA they always sort of make general statements that don't specify what they're going to do next in either direction so she said quote some further tightening of monetary policy may be required to ensure that inflation returns to target in a reasonable time frame uh, so she hasn't really promised more rate hikes or any rate cuts coming in the future. She's just sort of left it open. So I wondered what your thoughts were. And I think I got this one wrong because I think I was expecting them to raise rates. So I'll cop that one on the chin. But what were your thoughts? Yeah, um, look, I think they'll raise rates next month. I reckon right. they'll do it in November. If if they're going to do it, they'll do it in November. The RBA has a bit of a habit of doing things on Melbourne Cup Day. Um not sure whether it's because they think people are doing doing other stuff and sort of won't notice or whether it's probably the last time to influence people's behaviour before Christmas. There's still lots of issues around with inflation and, you know, the, the Reserve Bank statement basically says, you know, they want to get it back to the target band of 2 to 3%. But there's uncertainties around, you know, petrol prices are through the roof, um, Rents are still going up, and yeah, that, but that's mainly a supply issue, which we've sort of talked about for three years. Yeah, there's a lot of uncertainty around. So yeah, we'll just we'll just have to wait and see. The the main thing for people is um, yeah, just doing what you can about your own situation. And if you're um, struggling to pay your mortgage because rates have gone up and um, yeah, may go up again, is to get on the front foot and yeah, review your expenditure. Because you, you know you don't want to be selling your house because it's quite costly, and when you you know if you did, um, you'd, you'd only have to rent somewhere, and rents are going through the roof. Mm. But also just um, yeah, talk to your lender about getting a better deal. You know if you're on a, if you're living in a house and your rate starts with a six, um, there's probably a better deal around you know with your existing lender. So yeah, that's that's okay. the thing. But <clears throat> Damon, in regard to that thing about. Um, I think the, the RBA has learnt its lesson about trying to predict what rates are going to do because mm. um, yeah, the previous governor was pretty, you know, said on a number of occasions in um, 2020 that rates, you know, would not rise till 2024 and, you know, in 2022 and 2023 they raised 4%. So <clears throat> I think, you know, moving forward they will always be quite, not circumspect, but, they, they, you know, they won't be predictions i'll just say look we if this happens we'll do this and if this happens we'll do that but we won't know until we see what happens so because a lot a lot of it a lot of it's out of, out of control you know when the when our dollar goes down um fuel prices go up because we import a lot of fuel and when the opec countries and russia um you know put you know put the sort of brakes on um oil production that 
increase of the price of you know oil and petrol, which feeds through into inflation. So you know, there's quite a lot of things that um, that are out of the RBA's control. Wages policy, you know, the uh, the the Albanese government's been pretty pretty good giving it, giving everyone pay rises. So you know, they they work their way through uh, because business has to fund them. And yeah, you know, they've got to put their prices up. So yeah. anyway, just um, you know, just focus on what you can and you know, do the best you can. And if you um, if you need any um, help, sing out. Yeah. Okay. So this one's interesting. I found this from uh, uh, on the finance page of news.com.au. So if people want to check this out, it's online. Um, the RBA's financial stability division uh, met in person with representatives from the national debt hotline. So notes from their briefing were sent as a confidential internal memo to analysts within the RBA and then later was acquired by news.com.au under the Freedom of Information Act. So the memo's dated back in the 25th of July, but it's been released to the public just recently. So it's a little late, but it says, quote, the, the debt hotline is experiencing an increasing volume of calls from people who have not experienced financial hardship or drawn on social services previously. Many callers were gainfully employed. Examples were given of mortgagees on six-figure salaries residing in prosperous suburbs of Sydney. Part of part of the emails were sort of touching on the, the new cohort of solid middle to upper income callers are among a significant number of the new callers coming in that are now relying on credit cards, loans from family and friends, as well as <clears throat> pardon me, as well as buy now pay later schemes uh, to get through uh, financial stress. The, the hotline also said in the memo that uh, some were avoiding their obligations to paying back tax debts uh, or deferring uh-huh. utilities, bills or council rates notices just to get through what was going on. And obviously, we don't have any data to back this. We just have the fact that there was a meeting between the hotline and the RBA to sort of discuss whether how the hotline was seeing the the, eco- the uh, economy change from their end if they're on the front line of taking calls from people that are struggling financially and looking for help. So, yeah, I just wondered your thoughts on that one, if you if you thought it was uh, interesting. Yeah, look, I think I think it's useful that they're doing that. Um, it's not, look, no real surprise. People would be struggling because, um, you know, the cost, of, the cost of everything's going up. So, um, yeah, I'd say, yeah, it's good that they're doing it. Um, but you know, if you are struggling, um, you know, there's only so much you can do. You know, you can earn more income or cut your expenses. Um, but yeah, if you need if you need help, just talk to your lender, talk to your broker, or yeah, you know, give us a shout and we'll we'll do the best we can to help you. Um, last one I had, I saw a like a a thing on Instagram where they walked a guy, a cameraman walked around a university campus in Sydney to basically ask all the students um, what sort of things they were doing to cut back on money uh, and what they were doing to sort of save cash. And I, I sort of took note of a bunch of them and some of them are quite good. Some of them are pretty standard, like living at home was the most common one that I picked up on. Uh, a couple of people said they were stopping to buy, they, they weren't buying coffees at cafes anymore. One said, yeah. They'd chosen to just stop partying altogether to save cash because of how much money they would spend on booze. Another, which was my favorite, I think, was uh, I stopped buying Red Rock Deli chips because they changed from $4 to $8 and I can't afford that anymore. Uh, And a lot of them are just going into not driving to uni anymore and taking public transport to cut back. So it was interesting to see um, the range of not just 
answers, but also how they responded emotionally, I guess, or their facial expressions. There were some pretty funny ones that yeah. these uni students did. Like one said, what have you given up on to, to save money? And the girl just said, life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which I thought Look, was pretty good. That that thing about the chips, that's <laughs> so true. Like, yeah, some of the, some, you walk through the supermarket and you think, wow, didn't really, know just how expensive some stuff is now. Um, but look, a lot, a lot of that stuff when you hear, like we had a chat, of what, I think a couple of weeks ago about, you know, the, the number of people struggling and all this sort of stuff. And then, you know, the number of people who are say over 50s who weren't struggling. And the issue is the people who are struggling now, if they trim, if they, if they can trim back and come through it, in 20, 30 years time, they'll be the people that aren't struggling. Like yeah. when, when I was, when I was a student, um, it was exactly the same. You ate two-minute noodles, you ate fish fingers, um, you, you, you drank the cheapest booze possible. Um, that's just what happened. It's what people are going through now, well, especially uni students, that's not new. It's been no. going on for hundreds of years. Yeah. So, but it's just, you know, all you can do is, you know, all you can do is control how you respond. So, One, one thing, um, Dad, that I'm noticing yep. too, like I think part of why people are so like, since I've finished high school, we've never been in a financial downturn that I can remember. Mm-hmm. Like this feels like it might be the first financial downswing in the economy that I've been an adult for. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, yeah. It's a, it's yeah. It's the first recession we've had since the GFC. Yeah. Which was in like oh eight oh nine. Yeah. Um. Yeah, they people like talk it up and say, "Oh, we might be in a technical recession, and we might be in this." That's bullshit. We're in a recession. The only thing that's propping it up is the amount of migrants coming in, and all that's really doing is spurring the housing, the, you know, the housing crisis. Because, mm. um, yeah, the the figures from CoreLogic for September were that prices rose 08 percent. Yeah. Now, if you do that every month, um, you know, prices going up eight to ten percent which means it's becoming further out of reach. Like it seems to me that the government is just letting things happen. It's almost like they're sitting in a boat getting tossed around by the wind and the surf and whatever happens, they go, oh, yeah, we meant for that to happen. Like, um, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's, you know, the, the Philip Lowe, when he left the RBA, his, in his last speech, he said, you know, there was too much pressure put on the RBA to get inflation under control, and he's 100% right. Um yeah, we've we've got a government that spent the last fifteen months solely focused on a voice to parliament and not concerned about housing, not concerned about rents, not concerned about fuel prices, not concerned about cost of living. Like um, all they've wanted to do is, you know, they, they've got their way through by getting heaps of migrants coming, giving giving everyone pay rises. Like it's just it's amateur out of the comedy club. Like it really is. But anyway, that's um, yeah. There you go. Beautiful. Well, um. Yeah. There were a couple you wanted to cover, right? Weak demand yeah, yeah, for credit, just, that sort of shit. Yeah. Yeah. So credit demands the lowest at its lowest point in 10 years. So one thing that means is, you know, there's going to be, you know, if that flows through, there'll be a lot, there'll be a lot less people that um are going to be buying, which means there's probably good opportunity for people who do want to buy. Um, with reduced demand for credit, lenders are a bit more flexible with their um with their interest rates and their in their policies, and we're seeing that with quite a few lenders, especially some of the second and third tier lenders, who are becoming a lot more flexible, which is good. Um, 
even though demand for credit, I'm not sure if that demand for credit relates to, um, I'm pretty sure it relates to settlements, which is good because only, only about 18 to 20% of people that get a pre-approved for loan actually ever do anything. So yeah. you've just got to be aware of those figures. Um, the second one, Damo, was around um, granny flats. Um, yeah, there's lots of people who could easily put a granny flat in their backyard, earn some extra coin and give someone a house. Um, you have a look at some of the areas around, say, Newcastle, where we live. There's you know, plenty of people on big blocks. So um, there's a bit of a, a push now for, in, in, especially in Canberra and um, Victoria, to be able to get um, um, granny flats, um, you know, make, make the process a bit more streamlined because, you know, they're pretty, it's pretty, pretty much like um, going to McDonald's and getting a Big Mac. Like these things are pretty standard. They're, they fit on a certain size area. Um, they're almost prefabricated. Um, yeah, there's there's not much risk to them. But if you if you're going to do that, like you don't get much change out of two hundred grand for a granny flat. Like you'll see people quote, or you know, get a granny flat for one twenty to one thirty. But by the time you throw in landscaping and you know all your council approvals, and you, you might want a, a better a bit of a better style of finish because you know if you're an older person. You might build a granny flat for your kids or relative or for someone to move into to get some extra money. And then down the track, you might end up moving into that and renting a house out. Mm. So, um, yeah, so it's just, it's just, um, but one of the things is um, because the granny flat's on the land, unless you subdivide it, it can't be sold separately. And if you were going to sell it separately, there could be issues with um, capital gains and, and some of the other things. So it's yeah. certainly something to look at if you've got with that, the um, with the granny flat stuff too dad like speaking just as the capitalist in me rather than the let's help society by adding rental supply like if you have a granny flat and you rent it out to somebody on the back like in your backyard or whatever i guess one consideration for later on is if you ever plan on selling the house is that granny flat going to be an added benefit to a lot of people in a buyer pool or is that going to be taking away and you're going to be reducing the amount of people interested in buying the house from you? Does that make sense? Is that fair? Yeah, yeah. So, look, you know, when you come to sell the house, not everyone who buys it will want a granny flat because, you know, yeah. if, if the person, if the people who are, say, moving into the area are young families, um how they might want a yard for the kids or they might want a pool or, or whatever. So um but yeah, if your if your buyer pool includes investors, it's a you know, you can say, look, we can get six fifty for the house and three hundred for the for the granny flat. So yeah, there's a nine hundred buck a week rent. Um so yeah, it just depends. In the end, you know, you do it for what suits you in you know, if you're living in the house, you do it for what suits you um, in regard to you living in the house as opposed to, well, how's it going to go if I sell it down the track? So, um, but yeah, it's just, just you know, the, there's there's not much risk to granny flats. So it's, you know, it's good that um, the governments are sort of doing that. Mm. Just a couple of other ones. Um, unit prices set to boom in 2024 was something that came out in API magazine. And this is not unexpected. John Linderman, who's been on your show, Damo, has been saying this for about 18 months that unit prices will boom because migrants will come into the country and they're more used to living in units. Mm. Um, plus, you know, they may not have a lot of money um, in order to be near work. There's a lot of, there are a lot of um, apartments in Sydney, Melbourne, where they're going to come over and go to work 
they're used to having, I remember when we when we had the flooded in Melbourne in Camberwell or um, East Hawthorne demo, you remember that family that was on you know, two or three doors down the road in the same size flat you're in, but there was like six or seven of them. Mm. So, you know, they're used to living, you know, getting more people in. That's just their culture and what they're used to because of, you know, housing supply issues from, from where they've come from. So, yeah, because of supply deficiency and more demand for rentals, Rents have gone up. So, and as we've sort of said, probably ad nauseum for the last year or two, not renting is a choice for some people. They may not want to buy for various reasons. Um, they may not have the capacity to, or they may not want to stay in that area for a long period of time. Some of our clients rent vests, so they live, they they rent where they want to live and they invest in other areas. Um, but if you are looking at renting for the next couple of years, get on the front foot, talk to your agent about whether the owner is willing to you know, give you a, a longer lease. If you're going to stay there for two or three years, if you can lock in rent at the current rental level um, rather than the yearly reviews, um, you, know, you might be saving yourself quite a bit of money over, over the long term. But, um, yeah, we've got an affordability crisis with rentals. Um, yeah, it's a mess. Yeah. Yeah, it's not um, great. What other ones you wanted to cover? I don't know if yeah, you've wanted I, to. No, I wanted to cover off like the property clocks because we sort of cover them when they come out. And yeah, like a lot of a lot of people just just with property clocks and anything where people go look here on a page is the solution to everything. Just just sort of you know put it into your into um your um. Yeah, the list of things you look at when you're looking at an area because there's there's plenty of people going on, you know, that um, with the property clock, if you're not familiar with them, they're, they're put out by Heron Todd White, the valuers, mm. and they do them every month for um, residential apartments, residential houses and uh, industrial um, areas. Now, with, with the clock, peak is 12 o'clock on a clock, bottom of the market, 6 o'clock on a clock, um, a declining market's three o'clock and a rising market's nine o'clock. So yeah, a lot of people go, well, when when an area is approaching the bottom of the market is when you want to look to buy. And those areas at the moment are considered to be Geelong, Melbourne and the Southern Highlands and the Central Coast of New South Wales. Um, then if you buy towards the bottom of the market, you can then benefit from the um from, from the wave of growth coming through the rising market and the peak of market. Mm. And a lot of people say you buy at the bottom and sell at the peak. So just have a look. There's things sort of moving around all the time. But, you know, some of the areas at the top are still like um, Canberra, Bundaberg, Bathurst, Dubbo, uh, Fraser Coast, which is up around Harvey Bay, Newcastle, Mount Gambier, Tamworth, and those sorts of places. Yeah. And there's a few more in the areas looking at starting to decline and declining, you know, Albury, Brisbane, which I thought was interesting saying it's a declining market because the, the figures I'm seeing for Brisbane is it's still going gangbusters. Um, yeah. Hobart definitely is sort of starting to decline a little bit, but you've just got to be, you know, in the last seven or eight years, Hobart price have about tripled. So yeah, okay. um, whereas people might go, well, it's, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to buy in Hobart. Well, you probably don't. Um, but if you're going to live there um, and you're going to be there long term, you know, these, these property clocks are probably more for investors. So it's just a, another thing you can look at. And the one for units is similar. Um, I won't go through the areas, but there is a bit of a correlation between the um, the the unit areas and the um, 
houses like they're, they're similar that you know when houses go up in value units usually follow because you know it, it gets to an affordability point so um anyway that's sort of um all i have yeah so two things i figure i'll cover before we get out of here too that i found super yeah. interesting so one he's now not been on the show but he's a, he's definitely in this space i think he's on a couple of podcasts himself called pete wargent was posting mm-hmm. yesterday about i guess a reminder that it definitely What's going on in Australia with inflation is not great. It's not ideal. It's very annoying. But uh, the September year-on-year figures for inflation in Turkey is 61%, which is pretty nuts. That's that's, that's crazy. So, uh, you know, it could be worse. And last thing for me, um, I think they got some coverage on ABC last night there's a new website that's been running for a couple of months uh, that's run by, via donation basically called shitrentals.org. And it's uh, a bunch of people in a couple of the, the capital cities like Sydney and Melbourne who go to and inspect rental properties that are up for sale, uh, up for, for rent mm-hmm. and video it and catch out and point out spots that are all things that aren't up to the legal code for what a landlord is supposed to be providing for tenants as a mm. rental. Yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. it's basically the, the, the way that rent, uh, the way that landlords can put bad tenants on a list. This website is the only active website we, we know of that are, that puts bad, bad apartments on a list and bad rental properties on a list so people can be aware that the rental properties they might be looking at renting are actually not legal to be on the market right now so if you want to check that out it's a pretty good website the guy that runs it's a pretty knowledgeable dude he's not just a crazy crazy lefty kid who's got no job you know what i mean he's pretty well informed Mm. so shitrentals.org and you can check out if any rental properties you want to rent out are on that list because they might be and they tell they explain why things are why things aren't up to code or up to the legislative standard. So it's a good website, and I can imagine that yeah. um, it might annoy some people in the real estate space, but someone's got to do it, and no one was. So yeah, that's it. Yeah, no, good. So that's just done by a donation basis, is it? Yeah, yeah. Shit rental <laughs> shit rentals dot org org. Yeah, how much is it? how much is it a month? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Okay. I think you can just donate money when you want or a subscription. But it's a good. The guy that runs yeah. it, he goes and he'll do videos at at at. Uh, he'll do an inspection, and he'll walk around and he'll have the photos from the advertisement on screen, and then him in yeah. the actual property to compare them. Um, wow. and he sh- he 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 also uh, regularly on his Twitter will compare sorry he'll he'll show screenshots of emails he's getting from real estate agents but he's blanking out their names and stuff um yeah. and he's getting caught he's getting some pretty pretty rude <laughs> pretty rude emails it's pretty funny <laughs> yeah cool there's obviously a need for it because you know there are yeah. some um there are some landlords who are like yeah. that and um yeah that if yeah. they um if they can um yeah, get um, a bit of publicity to sort of trim it in the line. That'd be good. Yeah, yeah, it'd be great. And like, not before I get off my high horse, David. Like, I mm-hmm. guess with the rental stuff, the thing that you've been, you were there back in the day. I used to rent out. We rented out this like 
what was it, the two-bedroom apartment in Richmond in, in the inner city. And yeah. that place had holes in windows, so there was never actually full, like the windows never actually shut properly. Rain got in through the windows. The place was quite cold because windows never shut fully. The oven didn't work. All sorts of things were wrong with this place, and they still raised the rents quite a bit when I left without making any material improvements to the place. They moved someone straight in after me. So I'm Mm. not saying landlords should not be allowed to raise their rents, but if you can just raise your rents because the market dictates it without you having to put any money into improving the place for somebody, that that bothers me, to be honest. Yeah, that's just dumb. Yeah, that's just free market. Supply and demand. For sure, for sure. Yeah, no, I I, agree. But, yeah, granted, we did get that unit very, very cheap. Yeah, for sure. It it was from a very very cheap base, but before I moved in, that place was, what, 450 a week or 500 a week, and there were those problems with it then. So why are they allowed to run? Why are they allowed to do that? I know it's, oh, it's the free market. It's like, okay, but, like, then maybe the free market isn't the best way to run rentals. Maybe there needs to be some regulation heavier. I don't know. I just, I just, it's not working the way it is. I'm not saying let's mm. go to fucking communism. I'm just saying it's not working, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Well, yeah, right. Thanks, comrades. <laughs> and if, yeah, if people, people need help, give us a shout. And um, otherwise, yeah, you need to, you need to take, um, you need to be proactive about your financial future um, and your financial present. Um, yeah, the, the, you know, you need to, yeah, you know, the people that just hang back and let things happen, you can't just out, you can't outsource your life. Yeah. Um, I know for some people it's the, it's the easy way out because then if it, if it cocks up, they can say, oh, it wasn't my fault. Well, yeah. sorry. If you're sitting back waiting for things to happen and they happen, um, that, and they don't work for you, that's, that is your fault for doing nothing. So, yeah. um, yeah, there's plenty of help out there and, um, yeah. We're, we're happy to help if we can. Okay. Yeah, no, fair call. Well, yeah, moneysaverhomeloans.com.au is the best way to get in touch with us if you want to learn more about what we do to help people uh, buy properties to live in or to invest uh, or just if you need a chat to figure out how to budget better and get an, an idea of where you want to go from here, we're pretty good at that too. So um, have a good week. There's a few good interviews coming out in the next week or so, so stay, stay tuned. Uh, Stand by and you'll hear those. So have a good week and we'll talk to you next time.